0: Welcome to my mommy's
1: podcast. This podcast is sponsored by Juve Red Light Therapy, or also called photobiomodulation. I've been a big fan of red light therapy since researching it years ago. And I've been really grateful for my red light devices the last couple of years as I'm getting older and I wanna be really proactive about keeping my skin looking young. With stress and travel, I felt my skin getting less smooth and elastic than it used to be. So I upped my red light exposure and was able to help my skin stay feeling its best. I also notice really directly the benefits of red light for recovery and sleep as I have gotten into more intense workouts and sleep can always be a struggle with six kids. Most people don't realize that light is such a vital part of the cellular energy equation in the body. And red light therapy is an easy way to get part of this really valuable piece that we need. Since many of us spend so much time indoors, we often don't get enough light. And my favorite two hacks are to spend some time outdoors every morning as soon as I wake up and to use red light throughout the day or at night to make sure I'm getting that full spectrum of light exposure and that my light exposure is optimized. You can learn a whole lot more at their website and find the lights I personally use by going to juve.com forward slash wellness mama. And they've built in an exclusive wellness mama discount at that link just for you guys. Again, that's j-o-o-v-v.com forward slash wellness mama. This podcast is brought to you by Just Thrive a company that is near and dear to my heart and to my gut. Gut health is really connected to everything. And in today's world, we encounter a lot of things that tend to mess with our gut bacteria, from food to stress and an abundance of environmental toxins. And the gut has been called the second brain with good reason. We learn more each day about its vital role in all aspects of health, from skin to obviously digestion to energy and even brain health. And Just Thrive Probiotic is the first one I've seen and felt a noticeable difference from almost immediately. They have a patented Bacillus Indicus HU36 strain that helps turn your gut into an antioxidant factory. So it's working all the time to benefit you. Since focusing on my gut and making these a regular part of my life, I've definitely seen some big digestive and skin changes. And the Just Thrive Probiotic is vegan, dairy-free, histamine free which is a big one for probiotics non-gmo and made without soy sugar salt corn nuts or gluten so it's safe for practically everyone i even sprinkle it on my kids food and i bake it into products since it can survive up to 450 degree heat and this is another important tidbit when it comes to probiotics you want a probiotic that can survive at temperature because if it can't it's likely not going to survive the pretty harsh atmosphere of your stomach I love all of their products, and they—I've especially been enjoying lately also their prebiotic drink, which is absolutely delicious. My kids love it too, and is another way to benefit your gut. You can check them out at justthrivehealth.com, forward slash Wellness Mama, and if you use the code Wellness Mama fifteen, you'll save fifteen percent at checkout. So again, justthrivehealth.com/slash Wellness and the code Wellness Mama fifteen. Hi, and welcome to the Wellness Mama podcast. I'm Katie from wellnessmama.com and wellness.com. That's wellness with an E on the end. And this episode is more geared towards any health practitioners, coaches, functional medicine doctors, anyone in that world who happens to be listening. I know there are quite a few of you guys from when we've taken surveys, and I wanted to provide resource that would be specific to you guys and both in the business side, and also in maximizing patient outcomes. And I'm here with Seth Conger, who has been a business leader and innovator in the functional medicine world since 2013. And he's helped bring businesses to seven figures and beyond and put them up for sale. And he also um, created a cognitive decline and Alzheimer's startup that was geared at helping people in those spaces. He's now the COO of something called Freedom Practice Coaching, which is geared towards practitioners and helping them maximize business and client outcome. And we go deep on that today. He gives some practical tools. And we also talk a lot about functional medicine in general and uh, medicine and the direction it should hopefully go over the next few decades. So definitely a uh, worthwhile episode, especially if you are in the health and wellness world. And without further, further ado, let's join Seth. Seth, welcome to the podcast.
0: Hey, Katie. So good to be here. I'm really glad to see you.
1: Glad to see you too. I know you in real life and it's always a joy to chat with you. I'm glad we get to record this one and share with others as well. For people who aren't familiar with you, I know this conversation like all of ours is going to be probably wide ranging and extremely impactful and with some really practical advice as well, but I always love to start broad and Hear the story of the guests a little bit first. From my initial research, I have a note here that you used to drive semi trucks, and you might be the only former truck driver who also is published in a peer-reviewed medical journal. So, I would love to hear a little bit about that—just that jump in general—and what the peer-reviewed medical journal was about.
0: Yeah, that's my uh, that's my claim to fame, and and usually the the thing that gets me into parties. I guess <laughs> uh, I have a very interesting background, and I was actually I was a truck driver for a marketing company. Um, worked for one of the largest marketing companies, event marketing companies in the world in Chicago. And they had us going all over the country to these huge events. Um, So think NASCAR, NFL, I did ESPN Monday Night Football for an entire season. And at one point they, they came to us and there was a huge budget oversight and they could no longer pay for people to fly around the country and manage the tours and also for the truck drivers to move the things from event to event. And so they kind of surprised a few of us and said, you get to keep your job, but um, surprise, you have to go to truck driver school. And it, uh, it ended up being just an incredible opportunity that, of course, I was, I was highly resistant to. I didn't want to be a truck driver. I had this whole connotation and belief about what truck drivers were. Um, and instead, it turned out that I ended up getting to uh, keep a motorcycle in the back of the truck and uh, drive through all, all 48 of the lower states and ride my motorcycle everywhere. Listen to audiobooks. Um, that's when I really got caught up with crazy topics about like physics and health and took a huge deep dive into functional health at that point, just through my own education and learning. And I never would have had that, that time otherwise. Coming off of the road, I ended up meeting, uh, meeting a, a phenomenal girl who's now my wife, and her dad ran a functional medicine practice. He was looking to expand and needed some marketing help. He was working four to five days a week, had a 100% referral business, but wanted to eventually get to a point where he could exit out of that. And he knew if it was referrals only, that was fantastic for a lifestyle business, but there was no way to actually grow or scale that or uh, get to a point where he wanted to exit. And so I, I jumped in just to do a little marketing help. Um, next thing you know, we, uh, we decided to put a whole new division on the business, which was our brain function division, which kind of brings me to the latter end of my my career of what I've been doing. We didn't have anybody to manage that division. And so I jumped straight in and ended up getting certified in neurofeedback and biofeedback and just fell in love with this area of functional and integrative medicine. And then also um, the whole different like functional neurology side. So being a a non-practitioner, But having an economics background, which is what my degree is in, and then having that long-term marketing background allowed me to ask very interesting and very different questions, break through walls that people thought were hard barriers rather than um, being able to do things differently, and eventually allowed us to set up a completely different model that looked very dissimilar to what was going on in functional and integrative medicine and kind of paving a new way that ended up getting us not only better profits, um, and uh, eventually to the exit point that my father-in-law was looking for, but also actually better clinical outcomes on the other side. And so that ended uh, back in 2019 with a publication. I was part of Dale Bredesen's 100 Patients um, for Reversing Cognitive Decline, which was in the uh, the Journal of Alzheimer's Disease and Parkinsonism and was the only non-doctor on that paper. And it was pretty pretty exciting to, to see that, um, especially with, with my family having a history of Alzheimer's.
1: Oh yeah. It's always special, especially when you have that special family connection and with your story, I, Definitely, am on the same page with you. I love driving for the audiobooks and podcasts. I don't get to drive nearly as much as I used to. I miss that part of it. And I've also been on a deep, nerdy dive into physics lately. Yeah, so I do that as well. Yeah. <laughs> and I really resonate with what you're saying as well. Um, I think this will probably guide a lot of this conversation, actually, that idea that creating a new model, taking a new approach, and almost like going back to first principles and, and working a whole new model versus just trying to marginally improve on the existing systems. And I think that's something that's so valid across many industries, and, and now we're seeing it ho- happen in the health and wellness world more. I think it desperately needs to happen in education, and I'm working on that front as well, um, but I think that's where we see the most change and the most rapid change is when we're able to work backwards, figure out where the first principles truly lie, and then create new models that address things in new ways versus just trying to like marginally improve the percentages of, of what we're looking at, and I think that's one advantage to functional medicine, in a sense, is that it goes down to the root cause. Yes and really approaches it from that multifaceted approach versus just trying to marginally improve based on labs or common metrics. And I feel like for that reason that, that you probably bring a whole lot of different perspective to the industry, especially coming from the non-medical background and um, with more of that marketing mind.
0: Yeah, so I, I think you're hitting the nail right on the head. Um, when, when you do look at functional and integrated medicine or, or lifestyle medicine alternative, any, any holistic, whatever we want to call it, It's so interesting because the the way we approach the health side is vastly different. We're looking for the root cause. We are coaching and guiding our patients along. We are um, dealing with supplements instead of medications in many standpoints. We're working with energy and the mind, body, and soul. There's, There's so much that's different over there, yet many practitioners fall into the trap of trying to run their business the same way they did when they were in a hospital setting or working for a big group. So instead of getting your insurance billed for the seven minutes that you spent with a client, you're now spending a 45 minutes or an hour with a client and charging them cash for that time. Um, You're selling your supplements separately. You're selling your labs separately. Many, um, many practitioners make a significant portion of their margins by upselling supplements and upselling labs um, and, you know, taking that margin in there. And it, when you look at it from a, a different perspective, you, you take a look at this business model and you say, well, this is just the same thing as the old model, yet it's a totally new approach to health. And so why can't we change both of them um, to actually match that to be better for the end user, which is the patient who not only the patient wants to get better, but the clinician and practitioner, they also want them to get better. So we we took a real big look at that a few years ago and um, ended up seeing that There were, you know, there was a couple different separations in this functional and integrative world. There were all the doctors who were doing it the same way as they used to, just in their own practice, and they seemed to be kind of struggling unless they had a really good name in the in the community. We had the celebrity doctors who were writing the books. They were white labeling the supplements, and they had all of the, you know, now it's you know the online online uh, trainings and everything else. But we had those. And then there was somewhere in the middle, and it was the ones who were, who were being successful and seeing more in their practice and taking, taking that time um, to really focus on their business and focus on themselves, not just, just trying to approach health differently than, than they did when they were in practice. And so that's kind of what we modeled after and much more in line with, with what I'm actually doing today and where I've focused my career over the last five years is trying to reinvent the business side of, uh, of functional and integrated medicine.
1: And that's one of the reasons I was excited to chat with you today. There's actually a large segment of the listening audience here that uh, are health practitioners in some form or health entrepreneurs or um, are in this world in some some way. And it's always really fun and exciting to me to share with so many other entrepreneurs. And I think what you touched on is so, so important because I think we're in this kind of interesting place where you know functional medicine is still functional integrated medicine. People still don't totally know what to do with them. And there's those of us who have had amazing recoveries thanks to these modalities. And we're so grateful, but I feel like the mainstream is still struggling to catch on. And like you said, it's it's being compared to the mainstream model. And certainly I can't think of any area where we need to more go back to the first principles and completely innovate than in medicine, when we're looking at just the the standard of care, conventional medicine and the outcomes they're getting. And, you know, you always hear it said, it's very cliche, like from in a trauma, like critical emergent care situation, it's great to be in the U.S., Our emergency doctors are amazing, but when, when you come from that mindset and you're used to acute, okay, someone is bleeding, someone needs surgery. That's a totally different mode of practicing than when you're talking about chronic disease or someone who has a really hard to identify problem. And that's where functional medicine is able to shine so much. Um, I'm curious, what do you think it would take in today's society for functional medicine to really gain traction and gain respect in being able to address these things, not just as well as, but better than conventional medicine in many ways?
0: Yeah, so I think that, um, you know, in conventional medicine, there's kind of two sides, right? There's this acute care model that they have. And then there's the scientists who are doing the research. And we've developed this gold standard as the double-blind, placebo-controlled, randomized uh, clinical trial, where if it hasn't passed that and doesn't have 10 years of research behind it, then it it can't be a gold standard of care. And unfortunately, that breaks down when you're looking at anything outside of just a pill or, or a single supplement. When you're looking at lifestyle care and you're actually looking at the person's environment and their diet with nutrition, their exercise, mindfulness, all these other places with lifestyle, the, the way those clinical trials work break down. And unfortunately, there's just not enough case studies that are done in the same manner. And so I really believe that we need to start grouping together um, and actually putting out some, some real data and some real science by using the same models and producing those case studies at very, very high amounts for different disease processes, but, but more importantly, just for individuals showing improvements in their health, regardless of disease process to allow people to understand that it's not just, just anecdotes and they don't have to go, you know, see somebody who just wrote a book on this, but rather there are phenomenal practitioners all over the United States, tens of thousands of them who know how to do this. They're just not collaborating very well with each other in their community. And so we are um, really trying to help out drive um, some more community interest and community participation in the functional and integrative world uh, across all different practitioner types to see what we can do about starting to starting to build those standards of care, starting to really create large amounts of case studies so that people can see that and say, wow, this, this whole industry as a whole is working really well with this. And I think that's a proactive approach that we can take as businesses for a proactive approach to health, because that's what we're asking people to do. You know, in so many of these cases, when we look at any chronic disease, it's not going to change overnight. So it's it's the opposite of, of taking a pill and then just sitting back and not doing anything. So I think adherence is really one of the one of the largest issues in this area. And adherence can um can work so much better when you start developing tools and tactics around a single practitioner to allow that patient to have an easier time to follow the model that you're asking them to follow, whether that's adherence to just taking the right supplements on a daily basis or adherence to a specific diet plan or exercise regimen. Those things really need to fit together all together, whether it's bringing in a health coach to your practice or Packaging your services and creating a program rather than just charging per hour and expecting your patient to do everything on their own, creating educational curriculum so that they can follow through online rather than having to go to Google every time they they're trying to think, you know, does this this food fit into the diet plan that was recommended. So I think there's there's so much we can do around that as a community not necessarily setting, when I talk about standards of care, it's not clinical standards of care. It's really that standard model that that increases that adherence and allows for for clients to get to a destination that they want to get to rather than just a whole bunch of services and products that we're throwing at them.
1: Yeah, that makes sense. And And like you touched on, I very firmly believe, and I've said this on here before, that we are each at the end of the day, our own primary healthcare provider. And we want to collaborate with practitioners who have specialization and knowledge that we don't have, but the best outcomes happen when you have that collaborative focus and you have a patient who understands their responsibility in that equation and a practitioner who respects the patient's autonomy in that equation. And that's where you get these amazing outcomes. And that also allows us to delve into the personalization side, which of course has been talked about in the health world a lot and increasingly so the last few years. And I hope we'll start bringing more and more light to this idea that, you know, double-blind clinical studies of course have their place, but like you said, they break down when you're talking anything outside of pharmaceutical interventions or surgical interventions, and they discount, you know, like you hear doctors talk cynically about an end-of-one study or someone's anecdotal experience. But if you are the patient having that experience... That is 100% happening for you, and it's very valid. And so it, it really excites me to see in functional medicine how much more respect there is in the relationship back and forth. And I think that's probably one of the reasons we see such incredible outcomes so often in functional medicine. And I love that you tied in the adherence component as well, because I feel like this is probably one of the biggest hurdles to tackle, both on the patient side when I was trying to make health changes actually sticking to them. And I'm sure a frustration for functional medicine doctors who know what's going to help someone is getting them to actually do it. Because even a functional medicine doctor is only with you for that short amount of time. And then the patient's the one who has to go home and integrate. So talk to us some more about that in the systems, because I think that's such a key point to actually changing patient outcomes. And I love that you've broken away from the conversation of just, you know, profitability in a clinical setting and doctors making money via insurance and into like, how are we actually getting outcomes and then benefiting both the practitioner and the patient in that equation?
0: Yeah. So um, Katie, I've currently uh, evolved in, in my professional uh, professional world, and I'm now the chief operating officer of a company called Freedom Practice Coaching. Been around for almost 10 years. I was actually a client of theirs. So when we were on the search for how do we find a better model that's going to, you know, allow us to not only bring in more revenue, but also get our owner out of the driver's seat and back into a position where he can work a couple days, a couple days a week, and then you know, boost this thing up and get it ready for an exit. Um, we were a client of freedom practice coaching, and then i 've come on you know m- multiple years later found myself in, uh, in the driver 's seat over there, which is fantastic um, and so a few of the things that i 'll talk about i 'm taking from the models that we actually teach our, our clients, um, but they can be, they can be applied kind of across the board. but there is you know, I, I think that there's um, an unfortunate thing that happens in functional and integrative medicine. We have the, these doctors who are coming out of, they're working in a hospital setting or specialist setting. Then maybe they have a private practice that takes insurance and they try to switch over or a health coach that is going from any, any other different area of their life. Who's decided they want to focus in health and then move into that, um, nurse practitioners, naturopaths, et cetera. They get very, very little business education, what we teach is actually very advanced business and, and programmatics that you and I will, will talk about today. But there's this there's this gap of the basic basic business information. So you see doctors and practitioners trying to be entrepreneurs without actually having any of that information in the beginning. And that's I think that's um, that's a real hurdle that we must start approaching, getting people up to at least a basic level so that the, you know, doing their books and reading a PNL and uh, understanding what, when to hire and how to hire are things that practitioners should, you know, should get before they ever decide to open up a business. From that point going, going forward, I think that there's there's a very clear model of how to hit upon all those things that we were just talking about with the standards of care, with building up those case studies, with working with your community, um, and with making that deeper, deeper connection. And a lot of it really focuses on slowing down and providing more education to your community and the individuals who may want to come see you before they're actually coming to your door. So a lot of people just try to drive people you know through a Facebook ad directly to a website and hope they'll pick up the phone and then just come for a visit. And unfortunately, that doesn't nurture enough or create a relationship enough where, that person may be with you for a long-term. If you're doing that, you can you can easily get $175 or $500 or whatever your first visit is, but the chances of that person moving forward and creating not only long-term value for your company, but long-term value for their health is highly diminished. And so what I really would like people to focus on, if they can take one thing away from this, is spending more time educating their community and educating the individuals who are, picking up the phone and calling them, wanting their services to make sure that they're a good fit for each other. And then spending that time diving in uh, creating that emotional connection, right? Cause we're trying to get to a destination. That's, that's the single biggest difference between say functional and convent and allopathic medicine is that we're trying to get to a destination with chronic disease and improve their life across all categories And if you do not, if you haven't set up that emotional connection, the chances of that person falling off before they can get there um, is really, really high. And so I think spending more time educating about what the commitment level is going to be, what the things they need to change in their lifestyle, decisions that they'll have to make, participation from their family members and friends and helping them along on that journey really the differences between functional medicine and allopathic medicine and then of course that emotional connection that ties you two together or ties that individual patient to the other members of your team or you as a health coach you as a practitioner and you as even a trainer that's what's going to help get that person to the point where they're really committed to follow through on something bigger and then we can we can talk even more about what happens after that which is you know really creating programs, including everything someone needs to get to a destination, and then memberships afterwards, rather than just asking them to pull out their credit card every single time for whatever you feel like you need them to buy
1: at that point. That makes a lot of sense. Okay. So to get a little more granular for any of the practitioners, health coaches, et cetera, who are listening. I know this can be a tough point. I'm friends with many people in this world and that can't be a tough point, especially because so many of them have such a huge heart and they just genuinely want to help everybody. And they realize eventually the limits of their own time and that they themselves cannot spend hours a day as much as they would like to with every single one of their patients. And so it seems like this very much is a very heart-centered and helpful long-term approach for them to be able to get across so much more of the things that the patient's actually going to need to succeed in a way that resonates, helps them adhere to the program, and also helps the practitioner not get so overwhelmed. I know practitioner burnout is a huge problem in the medical world, but also in the health coach and functional medicine world um, because of that huge heart. And I think I firmly believe doctors share that as well. I don't think anyone goes to medical school um, and and makes it through all of that just to make money. Every doctor I know has a, a huge heart. And so I think like this helps really address those two pain points and helps practitioners of all sorts avoid burnout and be able to keep providing value and help to all of their patients. Um, so to get a little bit more granular, walk us through some of the specifics of what you guys do and how you take a practitioner through that.
0: Yeah. So I think, I think the first overarching thing and, and a comment that I would like everybody to sit and reflect on right now is, are you valuing your own services? Whatever those services are, you know what they can do to your patients. You know the outcomes you can get. You know, first of all, we'll talk about how you're setting up those services to ensure that you're able to get that person to the destination that they wanna get to. But first of all, how are you valuing yourself? I think a lot of practitioners really have a poverty mindset when it comes to medicine. Um, They, you know, they think, even though they own their own business now, like if if insurance is, you know, insurance used to cover these services, so how can I possibly charge for this or charge a high enough dollar that allows me to be a, a really successful entrepreneur? And I'd like you to rethink that because the more you value your own services of where you know you can get somebody to that destination, to that outcome, you can really, really change their life. You should be valuing your own services that way. And your patient, and this comes back to the pre-education part, your patient should be able to understand that and value them the same as you. They should see that as a priceless opportunity that you're offering them, not as a dollar amount on a page. And so this really comes into kind of packaging your services and creating programs so that they're not literally comparing you to the dollar per hour rate of a practitioner next door or somebody that they used to see over here or what insur- what they think their insurance would pay for or what it doesn't. Um, they won't start you know, comparing the supplements that are your high grade supplements that you've spent so long trying to find versus the supplements at Costco or GNC just because they think they can buy them for less and they'll really start understanding and diving into that that value. So the first, first thing is how do you value yourself? How do you value your really priceless services that you are offering your community and your patients? Moving from there, getting a little bit more granular is really developing after the educational portion, Developing programs that include everything you need to get that person to the destination and not being scared to put the things into that program that are actually gonna help them get there. If you believe they're gonna need $600 worth of supplements a month, you should include that in a program. If you think it's gonna take three months or six months or nine months to get them to where they wanna go, build that out ahead of time. Really understand what are the labs and diagnostics you're going to have to run and how many times are you gonna to have to run them to ensure that you're giving them the utmost care. How many times do you need to see them? Do they need a health coach or another practitioner to hold their hand and make sure that they're gonna be able to get there? Do you wanna tell them that they're going to need it, need a membership to Calm or you know a different meditation app that they're going to go through? Really think through what is this person going to need to get to the destination they wanna to get to that I believe I can help guide them to and build a program around that. Um, that's one of the things that we, we help practitioners do in many different areas at freedom practice coaching. That was the main change for the business that I managed back in, back in North Carolina is we were able to change things around from just fee for service to programs and allowed us to have people getting that destination over a six month period of time, or even a three month period of time and ensured that, that regular revenue coming in every single month. So we weren't constantly reactive in our business. We could be proactive two three months down the line um it's not like we had a a giant waiting list we weren't we weren't proactive like that because we didn't feel it was proper to have people sitting around on a waiting list we would hire more practitioners and and you know keep the ball rolling but it allowed us to really recognize okay if we're safe and comfortable in our business what more can we be giving our clients how can we iterate how can we uh, really just build up the services and keep creating value to get people to where they want to go faster and more simpler. But I think it's, I think it's just taking a step back, creating that emotional relationship and then painting that picture for your patients, whether you're a health coach or a medical doctor, you know, any, any level of service, you're painting that picture of where they want to go, that destination that you want them to get to, that they agree, they're willing to do anything to get to that destination. And then just working it back from there to let them know this is everything that's required. And you know, it's set up that way in every other business, in in every other different industry and economy. We would not, you know, if we wanted to get our masters in economics, we would know exactly what we're signing up for and committing to before we paid for that. We would know it's a two-year commitment. We know that we have to take this many credits, we know we have to buy all these books. We're gonna have a teacher, we're gonna have group study. We need to allocate 10 to 20 hours a week directly to this. And we have to start thinking about approaching these, these cases in functional integrated medicine more like a master's level course versus just somebody walking into a store and buying a product because it's on a nice stand. So I, I think that approaching it from that direction um, and really looking at that long-term relationship with your patients and getting them to a destination rather than just seeing what you can get for the the dollar amount is going to is going to work for the heart of all the practitioners because that's why they're in it. It allows them to get the better results with their patients. It allows them to feel better about it and allows them to love themselves and value themselves and value their employees and their team members by knowing ahead of time what kind of revenue they're going to get in and how can how they can better support the community around them.
1: And I would guess when people make that switch, they see a pretty profound um, result, both in their business model and also in their client outcomes. Is that, are you able to, I know, I'm sure you can't share specific patient outcomes, but can you share some kind of general ideas of the results that you guys see?
0: Absolutely. So I can, I can give some examples from, um, from the practice that, that I was the COO of for a number of years when we, we had we had great outcomes and great testimonials over time for the practitioners that we worked with. But we were never a- able to actually like compile them into case studies because we would never build in post-diagnostics or post-interviews. And so we just didn't have that information because who wants to go pay for more labs or another brain scan or something else? Or, or you know, once they're done and, and we've created victory, who's going to go out and fill out a bunch of clinical, cl- clinical questionnaires? Once we changed over to programs, we would get that on. of the people, we would have this amazing pre and post data, objective data to match up with their subjective testimonial of how they felt. And we started getting those by the dozens and then the hundreds with people who never would have complied with that length of treatment. We worked with a number of former NFL players um, with traumatic brain injuries, saw massive changes in their life. And these are people who are highly distracted and very sought after who once they went into a program mentality, they would actually follow through because they were used to somebody saying, you have to do this for this long, this many things and fill out these. And they're like, yes, I've got it. This is how I can, this is how I can work. So we started getting not only better clinical outcomes, but objective measures from every one of those clinical outcomes. So that improved greatly. The number of patients that were coming through the door that, that went up marginally, but the revenue we were, we were getting and the clinical outcomes on the same side went up drastically. Um, when, we, uh, when we joined Freedom Practice Coaching, we ended up going from uh, a little bit under seven figures a month to um, the mid seven figures per month, or I'm sorry, six fi- mid six figures per month, uh, which was just in- incredible to make that leap over a short about year and a half, two year period of time of iterating this over and over again. And at the same time, those clinical measures went through the roof. Doctors, freedom practice coaching doctors, find that quite often, that in the first three to six months, after they have the foundations down, after they've learned how to do a presentation, speak from stage and have that emotional connection, we build out the messaging, we create those programs, they see a huge leap, you know, even if they already have quite a large herd or a large list of people coming to them, they see that massive leap in both both revenue, uh, profit, but also the most importantly, the clinical outcomes that they're getting because they can then objectively see this is what's changing. Here's how someone's A1C moved and their weight. And some some of our practitioners even give out uh, continuous glucose monitors or other measurements, or rings, things like that to really get objective measurements. And they build in the time to actually analyze that data. So it's it's so cool and we do that. We're working on initiatives of how do we take a grouping of those clinical measures in say one or two different areas and start building up those case studies and putting that model out to the rest of the community so others can participate in that um, and then maybe get some attention of, of larger groups when we start start chipping away at that model. So I think it's you know just huge improvements um, fairly quickly. But again, when you know, I think everybody is also at the same way that the patient's looking for that quick fix in health, the practitioner's looking for the quick fix with their business. And they're thinking, you know, they can change one thing like marketing, if I just get marketing right, if I just get Facebook ads right, everything will work out for me. Um, and really what they need is they need a whole model. They need to be putting in a year, two, three years of time to build up their business the right way, the way that anybody else would be putting in that time if they were creating a business. It's not different just because it's a medical practice or a health coaching business. So the fundamentals need to be created, all the other, all the other pieces of how you create those programs and ongoing uh, memberships, the partnerships with the right, um, right vendors from marketing companies to supplement companies to lab companies, all of those really need to be figured out and coordinated let alone the technology stack now that we're in a virtual care world. And I don't think people have the ability to just do that on their own. What they really need is a, is a program for that and then then ongoing coaching to help them move in the right direction. Just like we all know that patients need that coaching, not just a prescription, but they actually need guidance and coaching to get them to that destination.
1: Yeah, that makes complete sense. For any of the practitioners listening, um, I'll make sure to put a link in the show note, but let us know where can people find Find out more about going deeper with you guys there.
0: Yeah. So they can go to our website, which is freedompracticecoaching.com. And Katie will, um, in the show notes, we'll put a direct link so that people can actually, um, we want to give out a, a blueprint guide of how to, how to create programs and package services, uh, which I think is probably one of the key things that we've talked about today. If, if they do just that, it's going to elevate and give them that space in that room with the current clients that are coming in to allow them to breathe And take some more time and then focus on their business more so we have about a 14 page guide that shows them exactly step by step how to package their services what should be in there um, what the margins should be in order to build their business off of that and it's a really simple step-by-step guide um, that we love the listeners if if it's applicable for them to have and be able to to work with so we'll uh, we'll get a direct code for you in the in the show notes for that
1: Awesome. That'll be at wellnesswoman.fm. For any of you guys listening, you can find the link there. This podcast is sponsored by Juve Red Light Therapy, or also called Photobiomodulation. I've been a big fan of red light therapy since researching it years ago, and I've been really grateful for my red light devices the last couple of years as I'm getting older and I want to be really proactive about keeping my skin looking young. With stress and travel, I felt my skin getting less smooth and elastic than it used to be. So I upped my red light exposure and was able to help my skin stay feeling its best. I also noticed really directly the benefits of red light for recovery and sleep, as I have gotten into more intense workouts and sleep can always be a struggle with six kids. Most people don't realize that light is such a vital part of the cellular energy equation in the body. And red light therapy is an easy way to get part of this really valuable piece that we need. Since many of us spend so much time indoors, we often don't get enough light. And my favorite two hacks are to spend some time outdoors every morning as soon as I wake up and to use red light throughout the day or at night to make sure I'm getting that full spectrum of light exposure and that my light exposure is optimized. You can learn a whole lot more at their website and find the lights I personally use by going to juve.com forward slash wellness mama, and they built in an exclusive wellness mama discount at that link just for you guys. Again, that's dot com forward slash wellness mama. This podcast is brought to you by just thrive, a company that is near and dear to my heart and to my gut. Gut health is really connected to everything. And in today's world, we encounter a lot of things that tend to mess with our gut bacteria from food to stress and an abundance of environmental toxins. And the gut has been called the second brain with good reason. We learn more each day about its vital role in all aspects of health, from skin to obviously digestion to energy and even brain health. And Just Thrive Probiotic is the first one I've seen and felt a noticeable difference from almost immediately. They have a patented Bacillus Indicus HU36 strain that helps turn your gut into an antioxidant factory. So it's working all the time to benefit you. Since focusing on my gut and making these a regular part of my life, I've definitely seen some big digestive and skin changes. And the Just Thrive Probiotic is vegan, dairy-free, histamine-free, which is a big one for probiotics, non-GMO, and made without soy, sugar, salt, corn, that's or gluten, so it's safe for practically everyone. I even sprinkle it on my kids' food and I bake it into products since it can survive up to 450 degree heat. And this is another important tidbit when it comes to probiotics. You want a probiotic that can survive at temperature because if it can't, it's likely not going to survive the pretty harsh atmosphere of your stomach. I love all of their products and they I've especially been enjoying lately also their prebiotic drink, which is absolutely delicious. My kids love it too and is another way to benefit your gut you can check them out at justthrivehealth.com forward slash wellness mama. And if you use the code wellnessmama15, you'll save 15% at checkout. So again, justthrivehealth.com slash wellnessmama and the code wellnessmama15. I also want to just touch on a little bit. I can tell, obviously, how passionate you are about this. And I love that this is a thing that's happening in the world. I also knew you before and knew about your work in the Alzheimer's space. So I would love to get just an update on kind of an overview of what you were doing with that and, um, I mean, why this was, it seems like a perfect and amazing pivot for you. But uh, I just wanted to touch on the Alzheimer's side as well, because it was so cool what you were doing with that.
0: Yeah. Thanks, Katie. So when, um, when I, when I joined the practice I was with in, in North Carolina, one of the first things I talked about that, that neuro division, the brain brain function division that we had, the first thing that happened to me was we had this equipment, which was a, a QEG. So it actually looks, it takes a brain map of you and I was the, the guinea pig for it. So we took the brain mac, map and we sent it off to a neurologist and I got a phone call the next day. And this neurologist said, how many head injuries have you had? And I said, well, none recently, why? And he said, how many have you had over the course of your life? I said, well, I had, um, I had a number senior year of high school. I got into two skiing accidents. One, I took a pole in the face at 60 miles an hour. I was a competitive ski racer growing up in Maine. I used to race against Bodie Miller in high school and I had two head injuries in about a two week period of time. And then I played lacrosse right after that and had three concussions in that my life drastically changed at that point. I was being recruited for Division One ski racing. Uh, I was going to go pre med and basically making a decision between: Do I want to be a Olympic level ski racer? Or do I want to become a doctor? I had made a promise to my grandfather at age six that I'd become a doctor to help him with his health issues. And my life drastically shifted after the head injuries. I did your typical senior slide, which everybody said, "Oh, you're you know you're a senior in high school. That's what happens." My parents had split up, and so the depression and the anxiety started to kick in, and everyone said, well, your parents just split up, so it must be that. And then, of course, I went off to college with new people in a new environment where I didn't know anyone, and everyone said, well, your behavior is changing because you just went off to college, and this is what happens. But I knew something wasn't right. I wasn't sleeping at night, yet I was sleeping through classes during the day. I couldn't focus on anything. And I went to a number of different doctors and practitioners and was just blown off by everybody. And finally, was told by the dean of students that I just wasn't smart enough to go down the pre-med track. And if I wanted to stay in the college, I had to switch over to something a little bit easier, like business. And um, I chose the economics route, which uh, turns out wasn't that much easier, um, but it was at least less, less schooling, um, which, of course, ended up bringing me back around to, to jumping into functional medicine. But I found a modality that could actually help me. And through using a number of different things, right, we put together a program. It wasn't just one thing, but we did some neurofeedback and biofeedback. We a lot of different supplements, um, some replacement therapies, exercise, changed my diet around the whole works. And with that, my brain function ended up improving substantially. I actually have objective markers using a brain function test that showed my processing speed, which is the kind of like the, the speed of the CPU in your brain was at 35% when I started um, started my program, went to the 99th percentile and has stayed there since. So just, just incredible improvement. It opened up my mind and my life. And I realized at that point, I had been struggling so much and hiding from this whole world. I had changed my behaviors, my emotions, the way I showed up in the world, because I didn't want anybody to know that I was damaged. At the same time that I was going through that, I watched my grandmother pass with Alzheimer's. And I can remember the day that she forgot who I was. Um, A few years after she passed, my grandfather took his own life because he was starting to head down the same path. He had something called mild cognitive impairment, which is a precursor to Alzheimer's disease. So after our success at the clinic in Charlotte with brain function modalities and putting these programs together, I had this, this ambition to start something specifically in that space because I saw that people were not creating the programs and services That were great enough to actually get the results that they needed with someone whose brain is is actively degenerating and you're in a race against time. Um, So we created a company. uh, It was a venture-backed company. A lot of people in the functional and integrative space supported that company. I'm so grateful for them taking the chance on that. We we started it in in mid-2019 and piloted everything else. We built a bunch of technology on the back end Uh, to take a lot of disparate data points and compare them together. So think about taking QEEGs and brain function tests and functional MRIs, and then nine different lab companies' data, all the markers that we needed to predict what was going on, what was driving the decline, whether it was the gut or someone's amino acids, or whether it was um, the fact that they weren't training their brain enough all of those different pieces we had to look at to be able to develop a personalized program for them. We piloted that out and um, the launch date was actually April 1st, 2020. Um, I remember sitting with, with our lead investor here in Boulder, Colorado celebrating that we had uh, we had all the rest of the investment locked and loaded and was going to close at the end of the month on March 31st. And we were going to launch our launch our services the next day. We had a contract with a great, Great doctor in the space who was really known for this, and then all of a sudden COVID hit, and unfortunately for us, it, it delayed a lot of things over a, a number of months. We had worked so hard up to that point, and we kept it going for another six months after that. But what we what we realized, unfortunately, was it wasn't about the invest investment dollars that came in. Our entire customer acquisition strategy had had been erased because all of a sudden we had individuals who were impaired in their thinking and decision-making skills who were highly, highly fearful of COVID and didn't wanna do anything that involved a long commitment or a substantial amount of money. Um, So all the people who had committed to us that they would go through this program beforehand dropped out. And instead of um, bringing in one out of four individuals who we got on the phone with, it went to more like one out of 15 individuals who were willing to take the chance and unfortunately, timing-wise, the bottom dropped out of that, and we had to make a very difficult decision to cease operations of that. Even though it was a phenomenal service, a phenomenal product was going to help so many people, it was the wrong, the wrong timing. And um, we were trying to piece things together too much. And I think that it was, it was very, very difficult on, on me as an entrepreneur, as the CEO of that to, to look at this and watch kind of the bottom fall out right as we were about to celebrate. And I think that's an important lesson to people that it's timing and things that happen in the world have a whole lot to do with your business success or health success or your marriage success or anything else. And you have to build in this, this flexibility for that to happen. And you don't have to think of it as a a failure if it doesn't go the way you believe. Uh, Interestingly enough, we're doing a lot of things on the freedom practice coaching side now that my experience over the past two years of running a startup in the uh, pre-Alzheimer space are really kind of blurring together. And it's creating just an an amazing opportunities for the, um, we have about 500 doctors that we've worked with over the past 10 years, we're creating, we're about to create amazing opportunities for them to really up level their stuff in this clinical space. And instead of having, you know, one clinic and one business, I now can touch 500 of them and start creating that community that you and I talked about in the beginning, where we can up level those standards of, of business standards of care, bring the community together and start taking this whole world of functional and integrative medicine and starting to put it up on a pedestal and separating it even more from the conventional or allopathic medicine in the, idea, in the eyes of the consumer. So that space was was amazing. I mean, we were, we were looking at over over a thousand different data points to come up with the, the 50 different areas that somebody could be deficient in, that could be leading their brain towards decline and building those programs out. Um, there's some people in this in the space that are doing amazing work there. And uh, continue to do amazing work. And we're going to be very supportive of them that but it's an area that's very close to my heart. And um, we're excited that now we have a much, much greater community to start driving some of those those underlying principles and ideas and thoughts that we had on a much, much larger platform to ensure that the the mission and the vision that I had um, was just on pause for a few minutes didn't actually die on the vine.
1: And I can only imagine how that's going to have such beneficial ripples going forward because all the all the practitioners are also learning to navigate in a post-COVID world. And with all the changes in practice, and that gave you a frontline seat to navigate a lot of that firsthand. And I'm sure we'll have pay many dividends to everybody that you're working with now as hard of that probably was to navigate at the time. Um, I think I'm sure there was so much wonderful in that that's going to ripple to so many other people now.
0: I think so. And, um, you know, it's so funny because it brought us together and now we're, now we're on this platform talking about it. We, um, we're starting to establish some fantastic partnerships in the space. Um, well nice is one of them and making sure that our providers have access to, to the highest quality consumer goods uh, and you know all those different little pieces that are actually really big pieces when you take a step back and you say, hey you know you don't have to go out and scour the globe for all these things anymore we can help provide the, the best in class across all the different verticals, to our clients and and help building that community and really, really pushing the gas down um, and holding, holding businesses in this space to a higher standard, right? A, A much higher standard that we're doing the right things and we're all growing this together as a much, much larger community. And I think that's, that's most important to the future of functional and integrated medicine.
1: Absolutely. And uh, a question I love to ask toward the end of interviews is on a personal level, or it could be from clinical experience as well. um, What are some of the things that you do routinely for your own health or that you consider the biggest needle movers?
0: Wow. So um, interestingly, I think the biggest needle mover my entire life was taking three weeks off in the month of November. After working an average of 50 to 80 hours a week since age 14, I was basically told day one of working at a golf course, that if I don't see you sprinting, you're not working. And that carried with me my entire life until finally I realized that with with my startup, working 80 hours a week, working 90 hours a week, working 100 hours a week wasn't getting me working more, working harder was not getting me the, the benefit that I actually wanted. And taking some time off to do a lot of personal work, reclaim my personal habits, my daily habits, Uh, was the most important thing I could ever done. A little mini sabbatical to reframe my life and understand what's working and what's not. That's the most important thing that I've done in the last year for myself and for my family, because I got back to making sure that my business was working for my family. Um, My professional life was supporting my personal life rather than the other way around, which was the last, you know, 20 years of my life. I have a morning routine that I kind of live and die by. And if I, if I don't get to it, then my day is not great. And if I do, my day seems pretty fantastic. And it's a, it's a series of questions that I've cultivated from, um, from a number of, of morning journals and, uh, and great questions I've heard from coaches uh, over the years. And uh, I do that every single day that involves some movement work, some breath work, some journaling, and uh, really make sure that I take a, a full hour for myself in the morning And if I do that, my day seems pretty fantastic. And then I think the other is um, I have been a consummate mastermind and community participant. And I think it's probably the most important thing I've done professionally and personally is joining groups that surrounds me with like-minded individuals who are significantly better and smarter than me in many different ways um and and putting myself out there even with the years and years and years of imposter syndrome that i had but just shoving myself into those really challenging situations and allowing that to to push myself to rise up and then also be a phenomenal backstop when things are going difficult and i have a group of people who who've been there before that i can reach out to um i know that we've we've uh, been around the same circles for a, a number of years and i think we both find value in that but i think it's it's um you know I have my friendships uh, around here and I have family members and everything else but but having having those communities has been one of the most powerful things for me for understanding uh, and educating myself in, in both business and uh, social and personal areas but also just just highly important in keeping my mindset right during the during the difficult times having that community and so I'm very, Very focused on continuing um, to build community for myself, but also building community for others, making sure that it's highly valuable in, in not just one area, like building your business, but in so many different areas on the social side and, and on the personal growth and development side too. And just that emotional backdrop where you have somebody to go to and talk to, who's not going to have any judgment, but actually knows how to help you out of that situation and guide. And um, so I think those are the most important things that I've done over the past year or so. For, for myself health-wise.
1: I agree with you completely. I think that community piece is absolutely key and both in a professional sense and especially in a personal sense and having those deeply anchored relationships, it's so important. Um, I've said that many times on this podcast, so I love that you mentioned that as a point. And lastly, if there's a book or a number of books that have had a profound impact on your life, and if so, what they are and why.
0: Yeah. So, um, most recently, the, the best book uh, that I've read in the past year is a book called um, The Psychology of Money by Morgan Housel. It is, there is no investment advice whatsoever in it. It is simply about how we think about money, how we think about investing, um, how the media and other groups and populations drive our thoughts. It was just a, I mean, it blew my mind when I read that book. I, I would say more than half of it is underlined. So I'm going to need to go get a new copy and kind of pare down the underlines. Um, not long, I think a little over hundred pages, very simple to read. There's 20 principles in it. Uh, it is just a phenomenal, phenomenal book. And then uh, I, another one that I think was really helpful for me that I read during my little sabbatical was a, a less known book um, called What's Within You. And it is by uh, a couple amazing guys who run a company called No Barriers, which is a 501c3. And what's within you is kind of a breakdown of how they run their, their business, their nonprofit that takes individuals who have had uh, severe hardships and show them that their difficulties don't hold a candle to what they can actually do. Um, And it walks through a step-by-step mix of of actually creating a personal vision and a personal mission, which I found enormously powerful because I'd I'd gone through core value work and mission work and vision work with multiple different companies, my own, um, and helping other people do that. But I'd never done it for myself. I'd never actually taken a look and said, what are my personal core values? What is my personal mission and my personal vision? And that helped me dramatically shift how I look at uh, how my life is set up and where I prioritize my time based on now being able to focus on my core values every morning and my core vision and seeing what fits into that and what doesn't. So those are um, two recent books that I, I would love to recommend. I'm sure I can give recommendations that have been given a number of times of, of classics and things, but I wanted to give two probably lesser known recommendations uh, just from amazing, amazing people that I think could really help help the audience.
1: I love it. Those are both new recommendations. I'll make sure those are linked in the show notes as well as well as the link that you mentioned before and some other resources that I have around entrepreneurship and just that my take on health coaching. Thank you so much for your time today. Like I said, there's a significant portion of this audience that is in this world and I hope this provided a lot of value for them and I'm grateful for your time.
0: Thank you so much, Kate. It's just so great to see you again.